Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music and we occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I'm Nora Jermaine. I'm a drummer turned comedy singer, songwriter and sex symbol. I'm an alien. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot, that's what you are. And we are both, apparently, now podcasters. You're going to hear us chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives with them. Without question, the greatest art form in the world. And here's the thing, you get this for free, for free, each and every week on scottcowie.com on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher Radio, on Audioboom. So please, rate, review it, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, Heidi Joubert. A phenomenal... What a fantastic woman she is. Yes. So cool to see music like that coming from all over the world. I like that this podcast continues to become more and more international. It's amazing. Yeah, she's such an amazing person to the point where I think she deserves an intro by me without an interruption from you. Right. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Joubert, a wonderful woman. And the thing about Heidi is it's so great to hear music from all over the world being introduced on this podcast. That is the key. Nora, is there anything you would like to add to that? Uh, only that I hope I get to meet her sometime soon. That's all. Well, I've got news for you. She's going to be in Los Angeles next week at the NAM show, and we're going to talk about all that in an interview. But anyway, I'm going to be at the NAM show. Are you going to be at NAM as well? Yeah. Hell to the hee-haw. This wasn't even planned. But Heidi, given that you'll no doubt be listening to this, my friend Nora Germain is a great violin player. She's an absolute douche. Um, she's a moron, she's an idiot, and I can't say enough negative things about her, but one positive thing I will say is she plays violin reasonably well. So, Nora, how are you anyway? Fine, thank you. Thanks for that beautiful introduction. I love when you say nice things about me, sweetie. It's You're more than welcome. But listen, what's been happening since the last time I spoke to you? You're turning out to be a very difficult person to get hold of these days. I've tried to call you about four or five times and you've just been consistently ignoring me and I'll dig you up live on this podcast. But I will see past that because we're really good friends and you do join me in this podcast each and every week. And that's why it's became such a success and why your career's become such a big success strictly because of me. But what's been happening the last few days? Hit me. Well, I came back from New Orleans. Now I'm back home in LA. New Orleans, and... the Big Apple. I'm working on um, working on releasing my book and my album, and it's just uh, every day it's like we do something new. So it's headed in the right direction. Okay, it's going to come out soon, and I'm sorry I can't say more than that. But these two projects have taken up sort of my whole life. So sorry I haven't answered the phone, Scott. You know I love you, and thank you everybody who's been listening to this. Dog and Pony Show. Well, a lot of people have been listening to this horse shit that they call a podcast, okay? God knows why, because it's, it's awful. Um, but a lot of people commented last week. Now, we're going to get to the interview with Heidi in a little bit, but listen, I have got a little 
a little cliffhanger for you, ladies and gentlemen, right? I'm gonna we're gonna read out some of this. We're gonna make a start in this little thing here, okay? And then we're gonna we're gonna talk more about it in the outro after the interview with Heidi. But listen up and listen good, right? All you Heidi fans, don't cut straight to her interview, okay? Because this is worth a listen for, believe me, right? Last week we spoke about some of the most powerful people in the world. Isn't that right, Nora? Listen to me, idiot. We spoke about some of the most influential people in the, the, the history. Influential? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. We we spoke about the, the most influential people in the history. Influential, of the, yes. Right? Yes, influential. Right, we had Dalai Lama, yep. Jesus, yep. Einstein. Yep. Um, of course, I put Louis Armstrong. Of course she did, right? So that was Nora. Nora put a list together of the people who she determined to be the ones... Uh, the individuals who had the most impact in the history of the world. But I have got a different list in front of me. I've done extensive research. I've put into Google um, the <laughs> most, uh, the richest people in the world. And I have right in front of me a very reliable source, a Wikipedia page, that tells me the top 10 billionaires. Nora, what do you think of that? Um, uh, well, are they, rep is it, I'm sorry, is it, of all time or living or how is it it's the people that are currently the richest human beings walking the face of this earth right right so they're living okay no i'm gonna read well, out. i would assume that some of those people got their money in less than savory ways well okay very controversial we don't upset people especially not when they're billionaires they could have easily taken out right but what that's we're going to do true, is we're going to read out the top three and Nora's going to try and guess who's in the top seven when we come back after the interview with Heidi if that's not a cliffhanger I don't know what is right but let me tell you I'm just going to name the person that sits in at number 10 and you're just going to give me your thoughts and feelings on that person just out of interest Nora you ready okay I hope I'm pronouncing her name right Lillian Betancourt Right. Um, she um, does a lot of philanthropy with the arts, I think. Yep. And guess how much money she has. Just take a random guess. I don't know. $100 billion? I don't know. No, you're way off. There's one word for that response, Nora. Naive. $40.1 billion, right? Now, that's a shitload of money in Emmy's book, right? But see the list I've got in front of me. See, compared to the others, this Lillian is a fucking tramp, right? 41 billion. There's others on this list that will fucking giggle at those numbers, right? So, whatever. Number 10, she L'Oreal, she owns that, I think, right? Right, yeah, okay, yeah. Number right, nine's an interesting one. Jim Walton. Do you know what he does? No. Uh, uh, Walton. Walton. Aye. No. Yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> he owns well Walmart. I'm assuming he owns it, right? Forty. Are you sure that's the, them? Are you, I thought that was a different family. Jim Walton says uh, Walmart. I've got it right here. If it's it's not my information, it's Wikipedia's. And also sitting at number eight, Christy Walton. She's also to do with Walmart. But here's something fishy, right? She's worth one uh, forty-one point seven billion. Jim's only at forty point six billion. So Jim needs to get his shit together because she's doing him at one point one billion. Right? So I don't want to right. stir shit, but the Walmart people, they need to get their shit together. Simple as that. Anyway, when we come back for the interview with Heidi, we're going to talk about the top seven billionaires because it gets very, very interesting indeed. And there's a couple of names in here that you would never, ever think they would make the top 50, let alone top seven billionaires in the world. It's very interesting indeed. And I can confirm Nora's not on the list and I'm not on the list. 
right? So that might change everything in your mind. Anyway, we're going to cut to the interview with Heidi and we'll be right back with Nora. Boom! Woo! Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast and joining me now is the greatest cajon player that's ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> Heidi Joubert, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Scott? Good? Can't complain, never do it. Now, you're better today because we'll, we'll give everybody a, a behind-the-scenes um, <laughs> insight yes. into this interview. You went well yesterday, but you're feeling better. Tell everybody about how you, how you, what happened yesterday. I'm not sure what happened yesterday. Um, I just woke up with, like, a pain on my right shoulder and, like, spasms, and then at some stages it gets worse. Uh, and then yesterday when we were supposed to have the actual uh, uh, Skype kind of podcast meeting, I was lying in bed, literally practically in tears with heavy pain. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was, that was basically it. I'm still not exactly sure what's going on, but I had some sleep and I had some good food. So I am ready to roll. I'm doing a bit better and uh, I hope I'll just get better for everything that's yeah, that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's, a very, it's a very, very exciting time for you, and we're going to talk about all that. But I'm glad that you didn't take my advice. No, uh, I was tempted, but I just couldn't get out of the house due to the pain. So that was yeah. Was, I, was... I, I said to Heidi to try and get some smack. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we, we, she she obviously opted not to do that, which is probably a good thing. But listen, I was slightly worried. I'm glad that you're doing better because very exciting time, as you said, you're going to Nam. Yes, I'm going to Nam. Can you believe that? I, I, it's still unreal. Today I, I woke up and I was a bit like, oh shit, um, am I really going to Nam? What am I going to do there? <laughs> Today, everyone, is the 14th of January when this podcast goes out. We'll, we'll give you the insight again. We recorded it last week, okay? So when is actually Nam? When's the dates? The dates are from the 21st to the 24th. All right, okay, okay. Yeah. Right, so so it's so still the future. Yes, so as you're listening to this, ladies and gentlemen, Heidi's still in the UK, right? But tell us, it's to do with Roland right now. This is dead exciting. Yes, it has a lot to do with Roland. Um, I kind of uh, disclose too much information, but I'm going to be uh, an artist demonstrating one of their new, exciting, innovative products uh, on the Roland stage. I am going to be doing a demonstration every single day on the Roland stage. I'm not exactly sure about the times or the schedules. Hopefully, I should be getting that out and have that out on my Facebook by the time this goes live. Um, so if any of you guys are going out to Nam, pop over and say hi and come and see the demo. It's a, it's a very exciting new product. And I'm really excited um, and nervous and, and excited and nervous <laughs> in between the two. Yeah. No, it's great because NAMS are a fantastic for anybody that's not familiar. It's a convention that all different, well, a whole host of people from the industry get together and trade different ideas and look at the different brands and all different companies from Marshall to Roland. All the big wigs get together and they do business. So it's very exciting for any musician to be involved in such an event. Now, let's talk about your um, YouTube channel, okay? Now, I'll tell you a very, very quick story, right? Um, <laughs> now, about. A couple of years ago, I got asked to do a gig playing Cajon. I'd never touched a Cajon in my life, right? Um, it was, for anybody that listens to this podcast, you'll know that I play the drums with Sandy Tom now. She called me up and says, I need you to play Cajon at this gig next week. And I thought, I don't know how to play Cajon, but as Heidi knows, we just accept a gig and then we worry about the stuff later on that we've got to do. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. Um, so I said yes, and then I thought, shit, I need you to play Cajon. I borrowed a Cajon off my friend. 
and then I went into YouTube and I clicked, I typed in, how do you play Cajon? And you came up with all your videos and you saved my life at that point. Because I was awesome. able to steal all your moves, <laughs> learn all the stuff from you. Um, and I've had that gig for the past couple of years and I can't give you a percentage of all everything that I've earned through doing that gig. I'm sorry. But nonetheless... <laughs> It's okay, buddy. Just you telling me this is good. Right. So tell us about how you built up your online portfolio, so to speak. Oh, it kind of happened by accident. Um, so it's not something that I intended or intentionally did. I never, ever dreamed in my wildest dreams that I'd be sitting with, at the moment, I've got 41,000 subscribers on my channel. I have quite a view. I'm not quite a bunch of views in some of the videos. I actually never really intended that to happen. <laughs> so it kind of just accidentally happen and then as you go uh you kind of improvise it's a little bit like the concept of jazz music uh, you just have to kind of improvise and catch on and, and adapt and and realize what's your opportunities so um to be honest it, it was a total mistake in a way i just put up a few videos i wanted to share some free lessons with people because i never had a teacher when i started out i found it very frustrating um not really understanding much about the instrument um at that stage when i just started there was not really much going on in the uk at all uh, so obviously you'd have to travel to Spain. And at that stage, I didn't have um, my citizenship yet. It was a bit difficult for me to just travel financially as well to go to Spain to learn. So what I did is I listened to a lot of um, Spanish music. Uh, I learned all the palmas, which is like the clapping patterns, all the claves for the uh, Spanish music. And uh, basically just applied also knowledge from the drum kit onto the cajon and spent quite a few, quite a few years developing um, a technique and trying to get the right sound. And then at some stage, I thought, well, I'm just going to put up this video. I'm so excited about this little exercise that I figured out. Maybe somebody else could actually learn from it. And it just got quite a bunch of views. I added up some more and some more uh, to the point that now I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of like, I have to kind of schedule videos. I need to think about um, organizing my channel. And so now I'm at the point of like, okay, I've got a portfolio. Now I've got to keep on building it and keep on um, giving stuff out in terms of uh, lessons and also artistic ideas that I'm bringing up now. I'm going to be doing a lot more performances and collaborations with artists. Uh, but yeah, that's basically how it started. Just some videos, got a lot of views, uh, added up a, a, a website, uh, started my own um, Cajon brand as well because people were kind of asking me what brand to buy. Uh, uh, there was a question that kept on popping up and I figured, well, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to actually start up a brand that I totally believe in, that I have total control in, that I check personally myself uh, and that I can recommend to people. And yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> really, that's it. And Facebook has been really helpful as well. But generally, I don't really need to do much. It's like people tend to just find me. Uh, because of my videos so somehow i've just had a lucky stroke in a way i think that that's probably the way to say it i've just gotten favor from people and and it's actually just a blessing and a miracle in a way that's no the, the videos are great they look very very professional um and when you're delivering obviously as you point out there a lot of them are tuition videos your explanation is really really good and you break it all down so it's it's not a surprise that they're so popular but you didn't actually start off as a percussion player you started off as a singer right Yes, actually. Um, I've, I kind of grew up in a semi-musical house. My mom's a pianist. So I grew up um, listening to her practicing classical piano uh, all day, playing Legos with my brothers. And we never had a TV growing up, which was a really good thing. I still don't have a TV and I'll never have a TV. Uh, I do like watching movies though sometimes, but that really helped because you kind of have to entertain yourself as a kid. And uh, 
having the piano at home, I would always, um, you know, go and try and play in piano. I always remember, I don't remember a time I didn't sing. So I always loved singing. Singing is my main thing. Um, most people don't know this yet. Uh, I'm hoping to add up quite a few videos of some of my own original um, songs with my own group um, this year on YouTube. And uh, But yeah, singing is my first thing. My first piano, well, my first lesson on music was on piano. Uh, and I started playing some drum kit uh, at an early age because my brothers then were doing like some little garage band doing Nirvana and uh, Metallica. And I kind of found them to be so cool I admired them and and I started playing a bit of drums really basic and then when I moved to I never did any percussion really um when I was in South Africa then when, when I moved to London I didn't have the drum kit anymore and um somebody introduced me to the cajon a uh, great guitarist called Sebastian Diaz and uh, bought me a, a cajon um from Spain and uh basically I just took out my frustration of not having a drum kit onto the cajon basically and and since then I have been playing cajon I've been getting into percussion so yeah it's more secondary but it's it goes hand in hand a lot of my shows that I do with my bands uh, I'm basically leading I'm front 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 woman of the band playing cajon and singing at the same time so I kind of kind of do them I see them as bilingual at the moment but yes I'm I am actually a singer. <laughs> right, so born and raised in South Africa, right? When did you move over to the UK and how did that decision come about? Okay, I moved uh, one week before I turned 18 as a dependent on my dad. Um, my dad, my parents um, immigrated, they moved over. Uh, so I basically, I, otherwise it would have been really difficult for me to come over, um, being South African and not having an, an ancestral visa at those at that stage you'd be able to do like a, what they call a two-year working holiday um but because i came under my dad as a dependent uh, before i turned 18 i was able to stay in the country as long as i was able to sustain myself well or be as long as my dad could sustain me as a dependent um and uh, eventually apply for my citizenship after a few years so that's what happened i was really excited about it i i mean I've never been somebody who's scared of change. I've always actually embraced it and looked forward to it. I remember moving schools and every time I would go, I think of going to a new school, I never had the thought of, oh, I'm going to miss my friends or my peeps here. It was always more of like, oh, I'm looking forward to the new friends I'm going to make and the new things that I'm going to see and the new things I'm going to learn. So for me, obviously going from South Africa, as well from a musical point of view, um, knowing that obviously you have a much... A bigger international stage being in London than being in South Africa it was super exciting for me so yeah that's basically how it happened and I've been here since ever since you mentioned a minute ago the original songs and how you're going to release some of that this year I've got to tell you about a track of yours that I really like um it's on your YouTube channel Upon the Hill really really uh, nice track yeah yeah, it is a good track. I need to get that one really nicely down, well videoed. I'm, I'm working on all these ideas. At the moment, I'm not actively working on it. I need to get this um, NAMM show out of the way. And then obviously the next uh, big thing is filming um, and producing my uh, Cajon DVD, which is going to be like a formalized uh, course, uh, a modern method for the Cajon, um, just giving some really important basic exercises according to the way that I've developed my own playing and uh, covering a range of grooves from a range of genres. So that's going to be a bit of a project that I'm going to be doing in February and releasing the DVD by March. And this is already well overdue. It's taken quite a while, but I'm finally there. Um, so basically from March onwards, um, the plan is to actually be working a lot on uh, 
getting my own songs out there, um, being more of a singer as well as a, as a percussionist and getting that out there. And I have so many songs. I have written thousands, uh, like Upon the Hill, and I'm really excited to actually get some really good material out there and, and just see, um, also to see what's the reaction. I suppose I'm a little bit nervous too because when it comes to your own songs and singing, it's extremely personal. <laughs> so it's a bit of a challenge. It's like a bit of a challenge to actually... Um, you know, really throw yourself out there and you're really vulnerable. But I kind of like that challenge. It, it kind of just, it grows me as a, as a person and, 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 and yeah, it expands me, my character as well and, and gives me more confidence. And, you know, every time you overcome a little fear, you're just you're just that much stronger. So for me, it's, it's constantly a game of overcoming a, a fear that you have in your life um, and just kind of, it's like this game you have with yourself. Can you push yourself further? Can you push yourself further? Can you go even further and... And, and, and get past this thing that you're scared of or that thing. And yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> so drums, percussion, guitar, how many instruments do you play? What else do you play? Okay, I've got a, I play piano, obviously. Um, very, I wouldn't say professionally. I did classical, but I kind of stopped. I think it was, I, I had a very disciplined teacher. And, and as a kid, I, I think I should have had just more, more of a fun uh, vibe towards it so I think I was also lazy I didn't want to be all serious about the classics as a kid at six years old uh, so I play a bit of piano uh, mostly I wouldn't call myself a pianist or a guitarist I usually use them as vehicles to write my songs um, uh, having said that I did write two or three little guitar pieces and I've got a little piano piece which is purely piano not nothing to do with songwriting and saxophone actually is another one oh which cool is I've actually got a grade eight on classics on saxophone. I don't know how I got it. Uh, no way. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> That's ages ago. I've got my saxophone. It's lying here and I've not really played it since I've moved to London, but I got the uh, grade eight just before, um, like in the last year I was in South Africa. So yeah, I did, I did sax and uh, I, I can get some nice notes out of it. Maybe one day I'll get back to picking it up, but I've just got so many other things that I really want to do right now. So saxophone's taken a bit of a back seat, uh, but it does help like when I'm writing a song, um, if I'm recording through Garage Band and I hear, if I want to put a brass section or something, I can just, I don't even need to use MIDI uh, on my keyboard, which is probably the most common way to do it. I just grab the saxophone and literally write the piece um, and record it over, which is really fun. But yeah, saxophone as well, guitar, piano, percussion, drums. Yeah, at the moment, that's it. But I really want to learn double bass. Really, really, really. That's that's something I really want to get into within the next uh, few years, if I, if I have any time. <laughs> Working as a musician in South Africa, jamming with different people. Working as a musician in London and jamming with different people. Compare the two. Uh, okay, difficult for me to do that because I've actually when I when I was in South Africa I never jammed. Okay. I mean I was 17 when I left. Uh, I wasn't really in the jamming circuit yet. I was still very young. Um, I actually only did a few uh, little gigs in South Africa, so I never actually professionally worked uh, in South Africa as a musician. Having said that, I've always done a lot of performances. You know, like in schools or or you're doing some competition, um, you know, one of those school competitions where you get to enter into these things, or at church as well. I've done a lot of um, performance and jamming in the church. So that was really uh, how I, and then of course at home, playing with my, my family and with myself, a lot of playing with myself. Um, so it's actually the jamming thing um, and working professionally has is something that only really started up once I moved to London. 
Um, so it's it's a bit hard for me to compare that. I can say that I've been back to South Africa last year, December, and I played with a, one of the only Roomba bands up there. It was kind of very spontaneous. I went to a festival. I didn't know that they were going to play, that it was supposed to be kind of a jazz festival, and there was this Spanish rumba band that was going to play. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I play cajon. And so, hey, why don't you get on stage with us? We don't have a cajon player, you know? And and it was a lot of fun. So um, it was fun. But, of course, there are a lot of things, uh, styles and genres of music that is not available uh, in South Africa or that is a very small, it's got a very small market. We're in London I think London's amazing because you've got everything in one place, really everything. And on top of that, there's a lot of fusion happening, um, which in my short period in New York, I didn't find so much of that. In New York, I found that you have different areas, like you've got Harlem, which is doing more like the kind of reggae Caribbean kind of music. And then you've got like, um, you know, the smalls, like all the jazz, the jazz scene. And then you've got the, the Latin scene, which is all in the Queens area. So everything's kind of... Um, situated. Whereas in London, I, I find that there is so much of this fusion going on where we're mixing Moroccan music with Balkan music, with jazz music, uh, with Spanish music, with some South American vibes. And I really find that something amazing. And, and even though I've never jammed in South Africa, I know for sure that that is something very rare. So I'm absolutely stoked to be in London um, and to have been here for the last 10 years. It's just taught me so much about so many different styles and so many different cultures. Amazing. Now, you seem to be extremely knowledgeable about the history of the cajon and percussion that everyone goes along with it. Now, the other day, as I was kind of preparing for this interview, I looked up just the history of the cajon and I went on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but you're on the <laughs> history of the cajon Wikipedia page. I can't believe that. I don't know where that happened. I don't know how that happened. The thing is, you know, that you can actually do, you can put posts yourself, but I... I don't know when it was, I think it was about four or five years ago uh, that somebody wrote to me and said, you know, that you've got a photo of you on the Wikipedia page on the cajon. I was like, what? <laughs> this was before, like even five, six years, this was even before the channel really started taking off or anything. So I think that also had a little bit to do with the building up of the portfolio. Once again, nothing to do with me, nothing I planned. Um, it's a photo that was taken of me busking um, in Cambridge. Now I've started busking with the cajon for quite a few years so there's also the the physical element of people thousands of people having seen me play the cajon in person um and i don't know i think it might be the person that actually took the photo that went and put it up on there i don't know who it was i one day i really hope to actually find out who was the person that put my photo on that page um but it's there and it's it's like what <laughs> no i don't that that to me that's a massive massive deal i don't care what MD says because the amount of people that will be going on that and seeing that i think that's pretty cool that's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. I didn't build up my portfolio. It's literally like a miracle. It's almost like as though it was meant to happen. Just all of these things coming together without me actually pushing it or trying it. Now, I'm a kind of person who, if I want to do something, I'll push for it and I'll make it happen, you know? So it's it's not like I need things to just happen. But this, which is at the moment the biggest thing in my life at the moment, like in terms of what I'm doing, is something that just came about <laughs> and it's somehow it just worked on all levels. So I don't know why or how even this Roland thing, I mean, I didn't call them. I didn't write them. They got in touch with me. They said, hey, we've been sharing your videos amongst the team for the past few years. We have an, an idea. Would you, we'd like you to be the face of our next product. Would you like to come and see it? 
And it's just like, what? <laughs> so I don't know why all of this happens. It's, I don't I don't know. It's basically all I can describe it as is God just brought it about in my life. And I have to be diligent and um, take care of um, what he's given me. And hopefully it'll just grow and grow and grow. Let's see. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Right. Tell us about your own, you, we've touched on it a couple of times, but your own brand of Cajon. How did the mm. idea come about? Tell us about the implementation. How the hell do you make a cajon? It seems pretty straightforward in one sense, but to make one that's distinctly different from the others, whole different story. Tell us all about <laughs> it. All right. Um, well, it's all got to do with obviously the channel of the portfolio, as you so call it. Um, I I did explain that people have been writing to me since I have, for some reason, people have started kind of looking up at me as a figure of the cajon or as a teacher, as a mama. <laughs> On YouTube, which is understandable because there's really not that much material out there in the Western world. There's a lot in Spanish and there's a lot in South America. But in the Western world, it's kind of like it's kind of floating. So I have, uh, I started up the website and I had so many people writing to me asking me what cajon would they suggest, uh, would I suggest for them to buy. And I recall the way I felt the first day I went to go buy a cajon. Um, I went to a store with money in my pocket, so excited. And when I got there, I was like, Oh, hell, which one do I buy? How do I know which one to buy? You don't really know. There isn't, you know, you need to, you know, it takes a bit, of, and, and you don't exactly know how it should sound, you know, so you don't really have that. And I remember that that feeling of confusion and actually remembering, I wish I had somebody that actually just told me, look, you know, came with me and said, look, buy this one um, because this is this is the sound of the bass. This is your, you know, this will give you the most versatility or depending upon your style. And, um so yeah, people asked me to recommend cajons to buy. And I, at that stage, I was playing uh, PRK cajons, which was at that stage, the top cajons being played in Spain, um, which was developed along with uh, the master cajon player in flamenco music called Piranha. And he's developed it with the, with the artisans. And so um, actually before I even started the brand, I wrote to the artisans and, and asked them to endorse me. Uh, quite cheekily said hey guys you know would you guys endorse me i'm playing your cajon on the streets of london thousands of people are seeing me i'm playing every day for about four hours this was this was about a eight-year period of my life of, of busking almost every single day uh and you can imagine that there's a lot of people that's seeing this instrument that's never seen it before um because it's fairly new uh, as i said again in the western world and they didn't reply to me then which is fair enough. I understand that. Imagine how many people write to them. But then when I started getting quite a few videos or views on one of my videos, which I was playing their cajon at the stage, they actually wrote and commented and said, hey, it's a good video. Immediately I wrote back and said, okay, guys, so when are we talking about endorsement now? You know, now now that you've actually seen what yeah. I'm doing and now that you've seen that people actually do see the cajon um, through me playing it. So I got uh, an endorsement with them uh, and then people were starting to ask me about... Uh, yeah, so about two weeks later, they sent me two brand new beautiful cajons, amazing. And people started asking me also, what cajon would I recommend? Obviously, I would recommend the PRK, which is the one I was playing. And I said, look, guys, I know you guys don't have distribution. Why don't we, I'll set it up a, a web shop on my, on my site and uh, I'll sell your cajons at a commission kind of thing, you know, so I could also do, make a little bit of money off the side on that at that stage it was also a bit tough for me. And that way, that way I can actually make your cajons available for people. So they don't have to be in Spain to buy it. And uh, so we started doing that and it went really well. Uh, unfortunately, sadly, the, the manufacturer, the, the artisan um, passed away. So I had to, well, by this stage, I was already rolling. People were ordering for me uh, and I had the whole infrastructure set up. And at this stage, I realized, hey, but 
this actually works. I'm actually able to create um, a business with something like this just through um, through the videos and through the fact that people are actually knowing me and 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 um, trusting me. So uh, to go back, um, I've always had this big vision growing up in South Africa when we were quite young. We had quite a few stages where there wasn't much food in the house, some poverty around, and uh, obviously also been surrounded by seeing the effects of apartheid. Um, the way people were treated, also people were very poor in South Africa. So I always had a very strong, since I can remember the same as singing, that I want to help these people. I want to help people that don't have uh, money one day when I can. When I have the capacity to make um, money, I'm going to actually do something about it. So I just, it all kind of made sense. It's, I said one plus one is two. Maybe I could utilize this to kind of get towards this community project that I wanted to always start up. Um, in fact, I've even written in my books in school things I want to do, and this is one of the things. So I figured, well, this is maybe the perfect vehicle. I, I, I'm actually able to um, generate money. Uh, maybe I should consider starting my own brand, which is, is still an ongoing thing. Um, uh, eventually, uh, I would have a what we call a social enterprise, where we have where we train people to make the cajons with their hands, people that don't have jobs. Uh, and then all the money goes back into the community. We'll also be educating kids, um, maybe adopting a bunch of kids and, and, and getting people to come and educate them in music and business and, and basically just help people through it, not just give freebies, but also teach them to actually have a purpose. I think that's the most important thing in life. Uh, not having money is not the worst thing in the world, but not having a purpose or something to do with your hands, I think that's the most terrible position to be in. So that's it's kind of like a self-sustaining project, an idea. Um, funny enough, I just bought a piece of land uh, last year up in South Africa in the indigenous rainforest area in KwaZulu-Natal, close to where Mandela uh, grew up. And it's beautiful, it's indigenous. Um, there's nothing on the piece of land. So basically house needs to be built. Um, and basically the idea is to kind of start it up there and, and see how it goes. It has to be really eco, self-sustainable. Um, we'll have an organic farm. We'll have some cows on the farm as well for milk. And okay, please, if you don't believe in drinking cow's milk, don't call me. <laughs> but in Africa, people drink cow's milk. They need it. Um, and, um, and maybe even an echo recording studio for people to just spend a week or two away from the city up in the mountains um, and just having a bit more inspiration and recording being a bit more in touch with nature, um, also helping the kids and feeling that you're part of something bigger. So this is really an idea um, which helped me to actually decide I'm going to start my own brand. And to be honest, it's not been easy. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but I think the day that, uh, that I do eventually set up the social enterprise, obviously I need to kind of build up the business slowly, get distribution, build up a lot of capital because this is a huge project. It's going to require quite a bit of investment. Um, so obviously I'm not just starting it right now, but hopefully within the next five years we will start, um, we will basically start and then slowly take it up. And within, I, I reckon eight to 10 years, we will have the project up and running as it should be and then just growing and growing and hopefully inspiring others to do the same, possibly even growing it to other countries, I'm um, doing the same thing. But uh, yeah, I'm jumping the gun again, my brain just goes wild. So yeah, that's kind of one of the ideas, one of the things that I thought of. And then of course, on top of the fact that um, I know that people were asking for a specific brand uh, or asking for recommendations, 
So you kind of have that as well. So it kind of all feeds together. That's why I decided to start up my own brand. And on top of the fact that it's just an awesome challenge for me, like why would you not start? Why wouldn't you take the challenge if you can? It's also just a personal, uh, like I said, personal game for myself to see how far can I push it? How how much guts do I have to do this? And and just to make myself proud really and, and be in love with myself in a way. Um, which I think is really important to cultivate the relationship you have with yourself throughout your life. Always be proud of yourself and and push a little bit the boundaries and like spur yourself on. So it was a mix of all of those things, and uh, it's still going. Um, of course, there's been a few hiccups here and there. It's it's difficult starting up your own business, but hopefully this year we will be getting distribution um, at least in a few major countries. Um, with my brand, and it wouldn't be so much hard work anymore. Because at the moment, up until now, I've been physically taking care of every single customer email, every single personal order. I personally pack it myself, repack it with another cardboard box, repack it with another one, try out the cajon, tune it, make sure the sound is perfect. So that is a lot of work if you consider um, the fact that I've got to be really busy with a lot of other stuff, especially from this year on, it's going to just be mental. So to get to the point where I just get it distributed and, um, <laughs> I don't have to be too bothered about it, but it's, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's, I'm proud of it. And, and you know, that not a lot of people can say that they just started up their own business out of nothing. And, and I, in a way I am a little bit proud of myself and I'm happy that I did it. So let's see how it goes. <laughs> that was an answer. That's <laughs> so how, it was really long. That, that's how I answered a question. Cause I just, I just thought, how does he make? How, how do you make that go on? And I'm thinking that you're just going to tell me how to. But that is, it goes way, way deeper than that. And <laughs> the fact that you're buying land and everything—that's absolutely amazing. That was mind blowing. That was yeah. that was that was that's how I answer a question. Right. So that this is incredible. The fact that you've got this—it's not just a case of oh, we'll see how it goes over the next six months. You've got yeah. this five to ten year plan, and hopefully it all comes to fruition. But that's really, really exciting. It's not just a case of you're making. Uh, the idea is making a cajon that's better than the others. You've got this wider plan to help out kids yeah. and Africa. It's, it's amazing. Exactly, exactly. It's kind of also a way that you can kind of make it cool to encourage people to buy from a, a company that actually doesn't put the money back into their pockets. You know, you, you create something that actually goes into sustaining and helping other people. I think a lot of people have the power to do that. We just we just don't. And, and and if you have somebody that people can look up to and say, well, that's pretty cool. You know, maybe that could also encourage other people to do more and more. I mean, I've myself been inspired by so many people that are doing this kind of community project things. Um, got just, just general people that just spend time going to help charity out of their own. It's just already an inspiration for me. And, and I've always thought, what can I do? What can I do to that point? I don't want to just live for myself. That's kind of an empty life, isn't it? Actually, the more you live for others, the more fulfilled you are in yourself. And, and I've taken the same approach with my lessons as, as well online. So, yeah, exciting. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, MD that's listening to this, that's not totally rooting for you throughout this whole project. They're, they're, they're not human. Um, that's <laughs> really, really cool. Um, no, I, I, honestly, I wish you all the best in NAM next week. Um, and I really, really hope that this is going to get you onto an even bigger level as far as in the Cajon world and helping out everybody that you're teaching and the others that you um, that you haven't even met yet that are going to become yeah. students <laughs> of yours. 
um, and the very best luck with all of that. Cajonbox.com is the website. You can also find Heidi on all your social media sites like Twitter, Facebook. Support her because she is not just doing this for herself, as she points out, like many of us are. She's doing it for so many. She's doing it for so many other people. So it's really cool. And um, Heidi Joubert, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful talking to you. I really enjoyed it. I know we finally got it. We've been setting this up for a while and I'm really happy we finally did it. Yeah. And it's at the right time too, you know? It's at the right time just before NAMM, yeah. so we've got all that yeah. stuff to talk about. So it's probably, it's fate that we can organise it before and you were up to your eyes in heroin last night. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's a joke, by the way, for anybody that's listening to this that's wanting to encourage their, their kids to go and get lessons off of Heidi. She's not a heroin addict. She's a very good person. Um, <laughs> And we will see you guys very, very soon. Okay, I'm back on the Top Music Podcast. Thank you very much to Heidi for joining us this week. A fantastic interview, a fantastic story. But I have in front of me right now, Nora, Francesca, Deborah, uh, Lucy, Germain. Nora, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show, Nora. Nora, welcome back to the show. Nora, how are you feeling? Welcome back to the show. Nora, how's it going? How are you feeling? I feel great. Great. Okay, top seven. Name me two people that you think might be in the top seven. Think about it, Nora. Think, think, think about it. They have to be living, right? They're living, yes, they're living. How about Mark Zuckerberg? He's not in there. That's the thing. I thought he'd be there, but he's not there. You thought he would be, but he's not. You thought he was going to be there, but he isn't. Yeah, you got to be in the game longer than that. Okay, um, yeah, how about... Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how about Bill Gates? Bill Gates is there. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to tell you where he is, but name me two or three others that you feel will be in the top seven. Well, I guess Warren Buffett. Yep, yep, yep. Well done. Keep going. Uh, I'll give you a about, clue. Um, I'll give you a clue. What about the guy who took over for Steve Jobs at the thing? Hit me. What's his name? Oh, God. I don't know. Oh, what about that guy, Elon Musk? The guy who's uh, doing the Tesla stuff and the rockets and everything? No, no, no. No, here. No. He's no in it. Yeah, okay. Um... Warren Buffett. Boom. Bill Gates. Boom. So just a reminder, number 10, Lillian Betancourt, right? She's a tramp in this list, but she still made the top 10. 40.1 billion. Number Is nine. Is she the only woman on the list? Uh, I'm not 100% sure because there's a fit hold. I'll tell you in two seconds, right? I don't know if this is a guy or a woman, so I'd just like to apologize in advance. Uh, yeah, she's only woman. Deplorable. There should be five women. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Excuse me. Um, she, she is, um, she's one of two women on this list. Okay, there should be five women on that list. Well, there's not, so there you go. Right, anyway. So, Christy Walton, she's in the number eight. Jim Walton. Oh, that's... oh God. Number nine, Jim Walton, Lillian Bentoncourt, and number ten, right? So, I'll give you a clue. Cock. Uh, not ringing a bell. <laughs> had about a choice about 10 or 15 potential lines that i can come back with there but i'll uh i'll refrain david cock and charles cock does that mean anything to you no i think that's how you pronounce their name um they own the cock industries 
Or is it Coke? Oh, is it Coke? Yeah, yeah, the Coke brothers. Yeah, yeah, those are yeah, those are really they're really horrible people. Really, very hated in America. Ah, well, fuck them. Um, Larry Ellison. Or Ellison. Ellison. Yep. What does he do? The Oracle Corporation. Huh. Okay. Right, he's in there. Okay, Nora, we're getting bored in here. We need to spice this up a little bit, right? We're going to cut to the top three, right? Warren Buffett made number three. Carlos Slim, is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. What do you you think? I'm friends with these people? Well, you seem to be knowledgeable about the world, okay? You keep telling me how knowledgeable and well-read you are, okay? But you're not fucking showing it here, right? But let me tell you, Bill Gates hits number one. He's in the number one slot, right? But here's the question for you. Oh, really? Yeah. That's surprising. How is that surprising? Well, I don't know. I just... Okay, well, that's cool. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he gives away, like, most of his money. He gives, I think... I mean, I don't know exactly the figures, but he gives away a tremendous amount of his money, so that's cool. And he believes that rich people should um, pay for... Uh, the transformation of the worldwide energy market so that rich, rich people can basically stop climate change since rich people started it. So that's cool. I mean, I think he deserves to be in the number one slot, definitely. Well, he doesn't believe in it that much because he's still the richest man on earth. Well, yeah, but he's he, I mean, every year he gives away a lot of money, you know, so not that like, much. Um, I don't know exactly how much he gives away, but I know but that not, he's doing good things with it. Well, which is may, good. well not that good because he's still the richest man on earth. He could give, well, I mean, uh, I'm sure he could give. I a, think at least a, a, Listen, I'd settle for a million of that. He won't know. You can't tell me he'll notice the difference if that comes out of his account. Probably not. Well, why shouldn't he give me a million? Right? Charity starts with a cow man. Right? Yeah. So um, I need some sure, of that cash. I mean, yeah. But listen, guess how much money he's got. What? How much money? Guess. Right. Well, he he doesn't have a trillion dollars, right? No, he doesn't have a trillion dollars. But Lillian Betancourt, the tramp in this list, has got forty point one billion. So William of the Gates, guess how much he's got? How much? Have a guess. That's the thing. That's the beauty of this game. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a hundred. One word for that: naive. Seventy-nine point two billion. It's a lot of money. Seventy-nine point two billion. That's a lot. Yeah, definitely. He can spare a million for you. I think. Seventy-nine point two billion. That is a shitload of cash, right? And do you know what the thing about Bill Gates <laughs> is, right? Yeah, it's a lot of money, yeah. Do you know what the thing is about Bill Gates that you might find what? very attractive? What? He is the youngest man on that list. You heard me right. He is the youngest man on that list, the youngest person on that list, okay? Yep. He's sitting in at 59 years old. He's not even a pensioner, and he has a shitload of money. Tell me, That's if you had great. 79.2 billion, what would you do in the first day? And don't mention anything about drugs. Well, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's made more than a billion for every year of his life, which is pretty rich. That's, that is true. That is a lot of rich. 
right? Would you, this is what I would do, right? I wouldn't want to get carried away with things. I would have all the money printed out and then just put it all in a swimming pool and swim in it. What do you think of that? Well, if you did that with one dollar bills, I mean, you know, a billion dollar bills would definitely fill a lot more than just a pool, you know? No, it would be a hundred dollar bills. I wouldn't settle for anything less. Yeah. Um, what would I do if I had that much money? I would solve one of the world's major problems. Because, like you know, it, like, I don't know, I'd probably make sure that I would pay for, like, clean water for everyone in the world or something. Because, you know, you can do that for a few billion. It doesn't actually cost all that much money. How do you know that? Um, I've done some research on how much money Bullshit. we'd actually Bullshit. You haven't done that research. Yeah, I actually have. No, yeah. you haven't. How much does it cost then? Well, I don't remember exactly oh, how much. Oh, but... here we go. So basically, um, this they'd done research on like uh, how much basically all the world's major plastic bottled water companies are making every year, right? In profits and how Shocking. much it costs for them to produce all the water and how much. So how much? Like yeah. So if they took a portion of their profits and just instead of pocketing those profits, like not even a, a huge portion, maybe ten percent or something, um, if they uh, actually put that towards um, creating uh, irrigation system so that people could have water. Um, you could still have all the your Fiji and Nestle and Dasani and all that bottled water, but they would basically be taking home 90 cents on the dollar instead of a dollar. And then everybody would have water because it's, you know, about a billion people that don't have it. Um, anyway, so there's a lot of research on this, but it actually, it wouldn't take a tremendous amount of money, you know, not as much as people think. It's just that the people that control all the water don't really want to pay for it. So anyway, I would do that. <laughs> and I would buy, I would probably buy, um, I'd buy the nicest Mercedes I could find. I would buy a Stradivarius, uh, maybe a Guarneri. Those are violins. And then I would probably fly to Scotland and bring you a milkshake. That's probably what I would do in that order. I'm busy that day. Shit. Nor is your main, ladies and gentlemen. Nora Germain. <laughs> and if you're at Nam next week, you can catch Nora Germain. You can catch Heidi Joubert. You can catch. I was going to say Nathan East. I don't even know if he's going to be there. But if he's not there, check out his website. Oh, probably. Yeah, he's around. Yeah. yeah. He'll hopefully be there. Uh, all my friends will be there. I'm the only person that won't fucking be there. But anyway, when no, I'm not there. Scott, we love you. Don't worry. No, it's everybody in Nam that should be worried, and it's everybody in Nam that should be depressed with the fact that they're not around me because wherever I am in the world, that's where the party is, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, Nam will still be alright, even though I'm not there. So go and see Heidi, go and see Nora, go and see Nathan East, go and see everybody that has a store. It's a fantastic event. Take out Heidi's websites, take out Nora. She's got a book coming out, and it's worth buying because she talks about me in it. And we will see you guys next week. Ciao! Boom! Nora, say goodbye in three different languages. Hasta la vista. Goodbye. <laughs>